You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. This week at Macy's, it's time to update your home with 25 to 50% off clearance, plus an extra 20% off with your coupon or Macy's card. Or shop specials, like an extra 15% off kitchen essentials, like blenders, food prep, and more. Brand new bedding, 60% off. And the Radley five-piece chaise sectional, $1,879. Now at Macy's. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Come along, it's El Tal and John's La Liga Weekly. Hope you're all staying uh, fit and well. We are looking back at a, a few of the classic teams of La Liga. So hopefully uh, you've had a listen to and enjoyed our Deportivo and then Bielsa's Athletic uh, podcast. If you haven't, then have a listen to that one as well. But stay with us now because we are going to, uh, after lots of requests over quite a long period of time, uh, have a chat, a look back. At Malaga. Hasn't really got a name that Malaga team in, in the sense of Super Depot. So Super Depot spent money that they didn't have, but they won stuff. Uh, Malaga, by contrast, spent money that he sort of did have, and then he lost interest. It's a bizarre story, isn't it? So they were let's actually let's let's mention one or two of the tweets because T Bales says Malaga 12-13 Champions League run robbed by a very offside Dortmund goal. Oh yes. And uh, James, uh, Malaga Champions League semi-final season. Ian, the two seasons, 11-12 to 12-13 at Malaga. They've been a really hard watch ever since. Yes, I'm afraid. It's a story that ends rapidly. And and to my mind, bizarrely, but go back, Terry, to the beginning, because you were in southern Spain. You watched a lot of the the pre uh, Qatari Malaga. So, what were they like? Oh, they were a team that were constantly fighting to sustain the division, and they didn't always do that. Um, I remember it as a, a I, you know, I, I with affection because great support. It's a lovely place to go and watch football. It's a lovely stadium. The weather was pretty much ninety percent of the time perfect, and it was a, it was a, a, a excellent place to, to go and watch. You know. An average team, you know, that was always, as I said, fighting to stay in the division. Um, every now and, then, now and then they made a signing of a player that had probably seen his, his best days, was past his prime, but they hoped like Salva Biesta, Biesta, for instance, turned up and played for Malaga. Um, but I was watching players like Edgar, um, Fernando Sanz was the central defender. There was... You know, a player called Miguel Angel. Um, there was, you know, tidy players, but you know, players that were, you know, were playing in the top division and fighting to stay there. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, I think it was Fernando Sanz who, who eventually, you know, he's the son of Lorenzo Sanz, the, the ex-Real Madrid president, who sadly passed away recently. Fernando Sanz was the central defender. And through his father's contacts, I think his father actually took over the club at one stage, and then he sold it on pretty quickly um, to the, the owners from the, the Middle East. 
And the story is that they wanted to invest a lot of money into Malaga, um, into the Costa del Sol. They wanted to invest in a port for cruise ships to come into. So start a whole new, you know, development and regenerate an area um, in Marbella where, you know, the cruise ships could come into, which was obviously going to cost a lot of money and they would hope make a lot of money. And they thought it would help to curry favour with the, the council and whatever by buying the football club. And then going into a period of, you know, making a dream team, really. I mean, it was when you, I talked about the players that were, you know, pre the, the investment from the Middle East to suddenly the team that had become with the manager like Manuel Pellegrini. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous. They had a spell where they were breaking their transfer record pretty much on a daily basis, you know, bringing new players in um, to prepare themselves for, we'll talk about the players in, in detail. And, you know, it was an astonishing, very short period of time, a couple of seasons again, um, that, you know, was was fantastic to, to watch Malaga. Unfortunately, by that time, I was back in the UK working for, for Sky Television, so not able to watch it live. And it was... Uh, you know, it was it was a fantastic story, but no one expected it to end as quickly as as it did. So Abdullah Al Tani was or is a member of the Qatari royal family, but is the only Qatari who doesn't seem to have any money, because <laughs> uh, you contrast it to PSG, where I mean, they obviously the people in charge of PSG have got access to the bank accounts of the the state of Qatar with its oil and gas money and everything, uh, whereas uh, the the Malaga Al Tani is this. Slightly bad-tempered character on Twitter. <laughs> just angry about everything. <laughs> angry about the whole way uh, that the thing went. We'll get on to how it unraveled or how he unraveled it uh, later. But so he comes in in twenty. So in twenty ten, they sign up Gesualdo Ferreira, who had, had a good record at Porto. He'd won the the Portuguese league three times. Uh, the first couple they get in, Rondon, obviously, yep. good player. I, I must say, I hadn't really heard of him when he came in. They got LSU. Um, I think it had he already yes, been there once on LSU. So sensible kind of levels of signing. Because they, they broke the transfer record for Rondon, but it was only about three or four million or something. So, was, you know, goodbye. Um, but it started badly. They fired him. I'd, I'd forgotten it. They fired him in November of, of that year. Pellegrini took over. Um and they weren't far away from getting relegated. Because you look at the end of the season, they finished 11th, but they were actually in a relegation battle um, and only finished three points above Deportivo, uh, who were the relegated team. And then some of the early signings were Martin de Michelis and uh, Julio Baptista. And it was then, as he put money in and people expected more money, and they started getting the first names through the door. They then signed a deal with Nike. They signed a shirt deal with UNESCO. And then they suddenly found that we're in that very exciting period where they decided to, to try and take on Real Madrid and Barcelona. And then you, you hinted at the signing. So talk us through some of the some of the names that they brought well, in. Well, I think you made a good point about Baptista. He only cost two and a half million from Roma. Then this was a player that lit the, yeah. lit the league up. When I first went to Spain and watched Sevilla, you know, pretty much every home game, I was astonished. I had no prior sort of notice of, of this perfect centre-forward that was playing for Sevilla um, in terms of he had strength, he had skill, he had speed, he could finish, he was great in the air. 
and I remember telling clubs in England they'd never heard of him. Um, and he and Sevilla sold him to Real Madrid for 20 odd million, and he turned into an attacking midfield player, which was originally was his position. Um, and that sort of blighted him. He came to Arsenal and he wanted to drop deep and he wanted to, to play here, there, and everywhere. When I saw him playing week in, week out for Sevilla, he was back to goal and he was the perfect centre forward. Um, he admitted afterwards he never saw himself as a centre forward. It was the only season he sort of recognised himself as playing as a number nine. The rest of the time, he wanted to be someone that dropped deep, got between the lines. He, that was a, a, a poor decision from his point of view. He got moved to Real Madrid, um, but he should continue to have played as an out-and-out striker. And that's what he did when he came back to Malaga. So for two and a half million, that was a, a great signing for them. Rondon, three and a half million was a, a great signing. They were the first ones, as you said. And then they made some other good signings as well. I mean, Isco didn't cost a fortune. He was, I remember seeing Isco play for Valencia in a couple of Copa del Rey matches. And I wasn't overly impressed, I have to say. He was very young, but I, he wasn't a player that I thought sometimes you can see a player in, in one game. Sometimes it, it can take you 10 minutes to recognise a talent. I didn't see that from Isco. So when Malaga paid that much to kind of bring him home, he's from Malaga or just down the road in, in Ben Medna. Um, it was kind of, well, that's a, that's a bit risky, but it, it wasn't, clearly. They knew his talent better than I did. So he didn't cost a fortune. Joaquin came in from Fiorentina, I think, at 4.2 million euros. I mean, he's still playing. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. He's still knocking around. <laughs> Sergio Sanchez was a good sign-in at 2.8 million. You know, Nacho Monreal, we knew from Osasuna came in at six. It was when they started getting, admittedly on a free, Van Nistelrooy. Then they got Jeremy Tullalen for 11, Santa Cazola for 23. And then you add them together with Pellegrini. And then you go, you start looking and thinking, this is, this is a, you know, a dream team now. You know, Di Michelis, experienced international player for Argentina. Jesus Gámez was probably one of the sole survivors from the pre-Malaga team. Um, Carlos Camani came in and, and started off in goal before being replaced by Willy Caballero, whose life was turned around by playing in, you know, doing a decent job at Malaga when Pellegrini was in charge. And, you know, when he used to play for Malaga before this happened, I never saw Caballero possibly coming and playing in the Premier League and, and staying for as long as he did. So the, the, it gave a kickstart to, you know, players' careers. Isco was able to play on a regular basis. But I think it was the Tullalan, Santi Cazorla and Van Nistelrooy signings, you know, that made you sit up and think, what, what, what's going on at Malaga? This is incredible. How's it going to work? How far can they go? And, you know, they showed with a good manager a very good manager and very good players um, that they were able to, to transform themselves from a, a team that were fighting for survival week year in, year out to a team that were finishing high up the table. And genuinely for a, a little, a, a short while, you actually thought if this continues with this type of investment, we are looking at a team that will challenge Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. In a sense, they were unlucky with their timing or poor timing, you could argue, because that point we were looking at very, very strong Barcelona and Real Madrid teams, weren't we? Because obviously Barca, you know, many people think that 10-11 Barca side was was the best version of it. And then you had uh, Mourinho came in and very much made Real Madrid a, a hard team to beat, very focused on, on winning league points and stuff. So that 10-11 
sorry, that 11-12 season, they finished fourth. They were, uh, uh, Valencia were a good, strong, solid team at the time as well. So they finished above uh, Atleti. Uh, but you could almost say it's a, a slight underachievement. And we we just don't know how long it would have continued on for because in the summer of, in, in 2012, where it all starts to go wrong, isn't it? Because they, they're not able to sign anybody in the summer of 2012. They sold Santi Cazorla. Amazingly, they managed to make a massive loss on Santi Cazorla. Uh, Van Nistelrooy retired. Uh, Matthijsson, the Dutch centre-back, was sold. Uh, Rondon was sold. So they, they started trying to balance the books. But essentially what happened, they missed, I think it was the Monreal um, transfer from Osasuna, and they missed a payment. And that then sparked a series of sanctions. So the Spanish league um, were against them. And then UEFA started investigating. And so the the whole Champions League campaign that people remember fondly as their high point, already uh, the wheels were falling off. There was a tragic element to it as well because uh, Jose Carlos uh, Perez, who was the, sort of the, the, the Spanish football business manager uh, that Sheikh Altani used, uh, he died in that. He had a heart attack, died uh, suddenly. And so after after that, the the business side of it went to pot, and the 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 mismanagement. So the the above the level of Pellegrini mismanagement began to make the whole thing unravel. Yeah, and I think they 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 also the the planning permission they were hoping for for the port was turned down. So that's when all bets were yeah. off. That's when they started pulling their money out if they had the money in the first place. Uh, hence the reason they they sold Cazorla. It was almost like they were throwing their, their, their toys out of the pram. And, and, it was yeah, a bit of that, and, wasn't it? Big and stock. then they were eventually ended up being banned from Europe, from European competition. So the whole thing unraveled so quickly. But my goodness, watching Malaga was a whole new experience with those players. As I say, Isco came to prominence and you could see in his, when he was playing week in, week out, surrounded by good players, watching Joaquin playing for, for Malaga alongside I mean, Isco and, and Cazorla and Tulalam, what midfield that is, Rondon and Baptiste are up front, Van Nistelrooy was on the bench, good solid defence, it was it was it, it, sensational. I mean, again, it, it's, you know, would Malaga supporters have swapped those couple of seasons playing Champions League football, Malaga? Coming through the group, topping the group, you know, beating, you know, coming through in a, a Champions League group with Milan and Zenit St. Petersburg, Anderlecht winning three, drawing three of the group games, and then, you know, beating Porto and then losing to Dortmund in controversial circumstances. It was, it was, it was a, it was a fairy tale. I mean, it was a lot of money, an expensive fairy tale. Um, but for those two seasons, it was, it was, Absolutely fantastic. It's almost like you, you. Sometimes you feel like you was imagining it, because I, as I say, mm-hmm. I'd watched the previous Malaga teams, and you know, good players, hardworking players, journeymen players, players on the cheap, and then suddenly you, you've got that, particularly the, the midfield four and the front two, and then all of a sudden it was gone again, and you know, and then we're now seeing Malaga, you know, you know, you know, doing their best in the second division. The same owners are in charge. There's always seems to be issues in terms of finances, um, and the club at the moment are doing their best to, to to survive, basically. So to think back to this, and it's not that long ago that we were seeing you know players of that quality 
playing week in, week out for Malaga. It was it was an astonishing couple of seasons. So the team, Terry, for that second leg against Dortmund, so the first leg was nil-nil. Uh, Caballero in goal, Jesus Gámez, De Michelis, Sanchez and Tunes was the left back. So there were some there were some really good signings in there, some yes. sensible use of the money. I mean, I, I would say Van Nistelrooy is probably the, the one. And I know he was a free transfer, but there's a lot of wages, presumably, in the time he was there. Probably the one that they threw money away at. Uh, Joaquin, you know, he was he was a veteran, only down to his last decade <laughs> in the game. Uh, Toulonon, Camacho, Duda, your old mate Duda, yeah. Terry, who uh, was there lashing free kicks at corner flags <laughs> like nobody else. Um, and then Isco off... Um, Baptista on the bench, Kameni Lugano. So that's so he was sort of in the Van Nistelrooy bracket, yeah. wasn't he? He was he was you know past his best, a lot of money presumably. Saviola yeah. again, you know, not all wise signings. Uh, Lucas Piazon was on the bench. Uh, LSU uh, Santa Cruz, who did come in on loan actually, and then um, uh, Portillo. Uh, and the the controversial thing was that they at ninety minutes they were going through two and they? up. Uh, and he after yeah, in the first league nil nil, yeah. And then Royce scored in the ninety first, and then a ridiculously off. I mean, there were about five yeah. players offside. There were Scottish officials. Not that I'm blaming the whole nation of Scotland <laughs> for that, um, but uh, so they they felt robbed. I think overall Dortmund were the better yes. team. I think over the, I agree over with the that. legs. Quick quick points for anyone at home who's listening. Uh, who was the Dortmund manager? Jurgen yeah. Klopp. <laughs> He was acting just as the same as you see him now. As, as you would imagine, when you, you're you going out in the 90th minute, you're two yeah. and down, you're thinking, oh, I've got no chance. Even if we get a goal, it's not going to be enough. And then out of the blue, you suddenly get two. And one of those is ridiculously controversial. Um, then, you know, you, as you'd expect Jurgen Klopp, rightly so, to celebrate, he did exactly that. And they finished sixth in the league that season. So they, they didn't get into Europe. And then, you know who finished eighth? Um, Paco Hemeth's Raya Vallecano <laughs> finished eighth that season. So there, there is a team. Funnily enough, no one suggested them when we were talking about uh, random teams that um, suddenly came good here or there. So Raya Vallecano, but they couldn't get into Europe either um, because of those uh, un- unpaid uh, transfer bills. Um, Sheikh Altani will rail against UEFA and the Spanish League, blaming everybody, but not really accepting his responsibility. And since then, it's been it's been a managed decline. And to be fair, because Pellegrini went and Schuster came in, and then having Gracia, he did a really good job. I mean, it's the most unglamorous glamorous job in football, isn't it? Managing a financial decline. But actually, they hung around a while. Yeah, what Malaga have done, and they have to do, and clubs like Malaga do, is, is you know, bring players through the, the, your system. From the you know through the the youth system, and that's what Javi Grassi was was more than happy to do. He knew the re- the restrictions that were going to be in place, but it was it was a great job for him. It enhanced his reputation. Uh, it's a tough job, um, but it, you know there are worse jobs to have than being manager of of Malaga. And as I said, because of the, the stadium, the support, the location, and and I think there was an acceptance there. Yep. That happened a few years ago when we had, you know, the, the likes of Joaquin and Cazorla and Tulalan and all those players. This is, you know, what we've got now. And, and uh, Javi Gracia did a, a fine job there. Um, it's astonishing, though, that Cazorla spent one season there. His team finished fourth. 
he was absolutely fabulous because we knew he was a fabulous player anyway and he he, he really relished the opportunity of playing alongside those players and a new new adventure for him and they lost money on him to sell him to us and that that's that's and absolutely is you know ludicrous that they would do that spend that money on a player he's fantastic you know there was there was no way that he should have lost value but because there was a need to sell um and arsenal were the the, the fortunate recipients of a, a you know getting a player in that that was top class and proved to be a wonderful player for them still is a wonderful player now but how they lost money on him in one season when he was brilliant i've got no idea so that was the tale of Malagi. We will come back and we'll have a quick chat. I think we, Terry and I both agree. We're not going to we're not going to fake a disagreement. Uh, which Atleti team? I think it's a fairly straightforward one. That's after the break. You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Welcome back to El Tell and John's La Liga Weekly. We're looking at some classic La Liga teams. Thank you to everybody who has got in touch. Uh, Jackie Boy has suggested Atleti. Quite a few people suggested Atleti. Now, a couple of people have gone uh, with interesting choices. We're going to debate it a little bit, but uh, obviously there's a, there's a sad element to it. We're on lockdown at the moment. Terry and I are speaking uh, remotely from our houses um, because we lost Rene Antich. Um in the last few days, as, as we record this, who was the manager of the the double winning team of the mid nineties of uh, Atleti, um, terrific record, former player with Luton in the uh, in the English league as well. So Jackie says, on the day that the venerable and much loved manager has sadly passed, I'll go with Radiantich's title winning team of Atleti in ninety five ninety six. Criticised for adopting crude tactics, but had legendary players Kiko, Caminero, Lubo, Penev, and Cholo Simeone. Himself, Mike says, two thousand five six uh, Atleti side, um, slightly off the point actually. Sorry, sorry, uh, not because they were any good, mediocre in fact, but because it was where my interest in Spanish football started. Martin Petrov, Gabi Perea, Antonio Lopez, and of course the flourishing talent in Fernando Torres. Such fantastic uh, memories. But I think the choice will be uh, the, the title-winning season. We've got a, a few tweets. On that, but first of all, Terry, let's let's just look back on on Raddy Antich. It's, it's a great shame uh, that we've lost him only in his early seventies. And that team, it 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 certainly wasn't the best team to have won a double anywhere. The Atleti team, ninety five, ninety six. 
No, it wasn't. And it, it's quite astonishing, actually, that it, 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 this is a man that I played against. Uh, he was a midfield player for Luton Town. It was the end of his playing career. He'd spent a, 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 you know, a couple of years playing in Spain for, for Zaragoza. Um, and then to see him, you know, flourish in La Liga, returning back initially to Zaragoza to be a manager there, then, then suddenly, you know, he's manager of Real Madrid, he's managed Atletico Madrid, he's managed Barcelona, um, had a long and, and successful career. Obviously, the highlight was winning the double with Atletico Madrid. Um, it really is. I mean, it, it's, it, it's terrible news to, to hear that he, he passed away. Um, but he, he certainly left a, a huge footprint in terms of, you know, his achievements as in particular as, as manager of Atletico Madrid. So, you know, it, it was sad news, definitely. And so that team, because they've only just sort of avoided relegation the season before, hadn't they? Simeone had been there um, a little while. So the team that won the, the cup final against Cruyff's Barcelona, Jose Molina, uh, Delphi Jelly, who's the, I think he's still the president of Girona, isn't he? Uh, Santi, uh, and then Roberto Solazabal, Tony Simeone, uh, Vizcanio, Milinko Pantic scored the, the winning goal, Caminero, Kiko, the Spanish international striker, Lubo Penev. Uh, not a classic team, but, uh, you know, they, they managed to do it. And in those days, the, the president was Jesus Heel wasn't he? The yes. Uh, well, he's 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 long since uh, left us, so we can say he was an absolute head case, guy, <laughs> wasn't he? An extraordinary case. Who was the mayor of Marbella? He um, he was he was happy to receive anybody, say Russian gangsters and everybody living uh, down everything east that he could be. He was that, wasn't he? Uh, Jesus Heel. He, he sacked every manager that he came across, but um, somehow managed to 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 stumble through and build a team good enough to win um, the the double in 95-96. But the, the, the classic Atleti team, um, Ryan, sorry, Jack Ryan says, uh, Atleti 15-16 came within three points of La Liga, second Champions League uh, final. Griezmann's best season, back five, unbeatable, one of the best sides not to win a trophy. Jackson Martinez also had an unfortunate cameo. But George says, Atletico 2013-14 was awesome. And I'm a Real Madrid fan. What a team Cholo and his boys had that season. It was uh, amazing. So, uh, I know we've discussed Simeone's uh, Atleti before. Uh, refer you to that podcast. Have a look at uh, all the past podcasts and on the uh, uh, the Audio Boom page. Um, but that was he, he he'd taken a couple of seasons he'd won things all along but that was his peak and am i right in thinking the the main difference rock solid back four rock solid hard working midfield with some talent in it but costa and veer together for that one season up front yeah, I mean, you think that, that, that I mean, at that time, Atletico was selling the best players, weren't they? And, and Falcao went for 60 million euros and they brought David Vieira in from Barcelona on a, on a free transfer. Um, it was, you know, it was one of those where, you know, Atletico were accustomed to doing that, you know, and, and working hard in the transfer market. But Simeone had previous, you know, he, he took over in December 2011. And then before you know it, they're beating Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey final. They win in Europa League final where they beat Athletic Bilbao 3 0. So they, there was there was pro, definitely progress. Um, they were going in the right direction. But that season, it all just came together. I mean, it was a an experienced, rock solid team throughout. 
Um, there isn't, you know, it's, it's, there's been various changes over the years, but his fundamentals, his principles were put, were put in place when he first took over. And then when you get good players, you know, all buying into what you want to do, um, they loved being the underdogs. They liked portraying themselves as the, the, the team that no one liked, the manager that no one liked. Um, but I, I think there was a hell of a lot of people rooting them for rooting for them that season when they were definite, most definitely in a, in a, in a title race. Yeah, uh, the the right of the week, I think, is the the in the Italian expression that um, gave root gave rise to Catanaccio back in the fifties, sixties, um, which was basically that good. You know, you're allowed to play defensively and not be shamed for it. And one of the the keys to success is is persuading good players to play in that very self-sacrificing kind of of style. And the fact that he'd been part of the Rally Antich side that had won the double, um, his, his magnetic personality uh, himself, the strength of Barcelona and Real Madrid in that era, all of those things contributed to giving him, in a sense, the right to design a, a, a team in that kind of image. Yeah, and they were starved of success. I mean, it was it was a running joke at the time. Every time they yeah. played Real Madrid, we just carried on the, the you know the statistic. It had been so long since they'd won a game against Real Madrid. They'd lost the majority of them. They hadn't even picked up many draws. Then before you know it, they were competitive against Real Madrid. And that, that win in the Copa del Rey final, um, there was a, 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 a massive turning point. It turned things, you know, totally. It gave them that belief. The, the players that Simeone had that they, you know, we, we can make things different. We can make a change. And, and the season that they, they had when they won the league is you look at the stats, we talk about them being defensively solid. Of course they were, but they got 77 goals and 90 points that season. So, you know, they, they Diego Costa got 27 goals in La Liga, 36 in all competitions. It was, it was a really good team. There was some strange, Choices made. Um, I look at the, the the you know pretty much the, the strongest eleven. Wanfram was changed from a, a okay right winger at Osasuna that Atletico Madrid brought into the club. As soon as Simeone walks in the door, he made him into a right back. And I, at the time, I remember thinking, "This is no chance." This, you know, I I've seen Wanfram play. As I said, he's okay. He's tidy. Former Real Madrid player. He's got good technical abilities. I don't see him being physical enough. I don't see him, you know, having the know-how to play right back. Um, I'm pretty sure he can push forward and attack pretty well down the flank. But he turned into one of the world's best right backs. Um, so Simeone obviously saw something in him that nobody else saw. You, you, you know, he, he had the, the wisdom to bring Koke in um, in that season that they won the league and he become a, an influential player. Gabby returned back from Zaragoza. And you're thinking... Yeah, really? Did I, you know, did, I know he hasn't cost a lot of money, might come in useful, um, but he became such a leader and such an influential player. Um, you know, it was it was the perfect blend. Um, as I say, Koke was the exception in terms of being a, a younger player. The rest, of, maybe Courtois in goal, of course, but the rest of the team were, were hard-nosed seasoned professionals that, you know, all had a point to prove. You know, they, they were up for the fight against 
Real Madrid and Barcelona, likes of Miranda and Godin. Great partnership at the back. Felipe had been knocking around for a while, and, and we've already talked about Gabby and Thiago, the Arda Turan was, you know, influential. Vieira and Costa up front. And then you look at the players that contributed that probably we weren't in that starting 11. We took Diego, the Brazilian, Diego Ribas, who was a really good player. Adrian Lopez was useful that season. Raul Garcia was, was fantastic that season. Toby Alderweireld, the Spurs player, he was, you know, he played more than enough games to have contributed to the, the season that Real Madrid, uh, Atletico had. Mario Suarez, Kristen Rodriguez. It was a, a, a squad of about 18, 20 blokes, um, apart from cocaine Courtois, that were on a mission. And the, the quality was there. You know, it was a sensational season that, uh, in terms of winning the league and coming close to, to actually, you couldn't get any closer to, to winning the Champions League as well. Yeah, let's talk about that Champions League final, shall we, before we, before we say goodbye for now? Because they, oh, they were, it's the 93rd minute of the game when uh, Sergio Ramos equalised and then uh, Real Madrid obviously went on to, to, in the end, thrash them in, in extra time. But, um, uh, they were they were so close. They they stuck on Toby Alderweireld. You mentioned him. They stuck him on eighty three minutes gone. They they uh, put him on um, Jose Sosa, uh, a real forgotten player, yeah. the one that'd be uh, pointless if you were trying to remember that uh, uh, Atleti team of that uh, period. Um, but crucially in that final, because Arda Turan was he was an important player, wasn't he, for how they played yes. then. The, the Arda Turan who was good, not the Arda Turan who recent <laughs> Barca fans will... Actually, not even that recent, because you might forget that he's a Barcelona still, player. He's still, yeah, he's still a yeah. Barcelona player. Um, but he was he was good and he was an important player. But he didn't he missed the final. Uh, but crucially, I think, uh, Costa tried to play and he was obviously injured, ended up getting subbed off early. He was so important to them that you can understand why they tried, but... It, it was costly, wasn't it, in a 120-minute game? Yep, he'd, he'd had the injury for a while, and, and as he was then, and, and probably now still, he just you know, wanted to try and do his best and play through it, which we, you know, players have all been guilty of doing. Um, he had the injury problem the week before when they had to, to get the draw at the, the new Camp to, to win the title. So it was a surprise when he actually started the final because we knew he wasn't fit. And it didn't pay off. It meant that in extra time, they'd already used an early sub, which limited the options for Simeone. Um, I have to say, it's a, it was a fault, and it has been a fault with Simeone to his team. At times, you know, you're looking at it and thinking, they're down to 10 men. You know, they defend so deep. Um, but they came so close to, to, to winning that. And, you know, Sergio Ramos, once he got the equaliser, I hate to say it, it it's a strong accusation to make, but... There was only going to be one winner in extra time. The, the difference in mentality from the two teams, Real Madrid got away with, you know, get out there, you know, in the last seconds of the game, salvaged the equaliser. They were on the up, and Atletico Madrid had no nothing left to fight back with, and it ended up a, a poor result in terms of the, the, the four-one scoreline. But you know, it was a, as I said, it was a. A, a fantastic season, spoiled by the fact that you know they weren't able to win that elusive European Cup stroke Champions League. Right, Terry. We will we'll leave it there for now. We must come back and do Valencia because lots of people want us to do Definitely. that. So we will. Uh, we will. I'll check my busy diary and see when I'm free, and uh, we can come together and do that. I, I'll let you get back to the DIY. How's it going? I'll- Yep, no, it's uh, my wife's fine. I'm the worst DIY person in the world, by the way, but I need something to do. And my wife came up with the idea of building a garden bar out of pallets. 
Sounds easy. It actually is quite easy <laughs> if you've got the right tools, which I never have, and you can't go and buy the right tools at the moment. So it was a question of finding whatever tools, using what inappropriate saws, um, screws, hinges, paint that I could uh, muster up from a, a, a dark corner of the garage. Um, and I'm, I have to say I'm pretty pl- pretty pleased with my efforts. Um, we've got no drink in it. We've got no one that, that can come round. And my hands are going to take about three weeks to heal from all the various cuts. Uh, I've got a black thumb now from smashing it with a hammer. I must, um, if I'd have gone to hospital, I think I would have accumulated about 25 stitches on my hand um, so that I I need time to heal. Um, My wife's been holding the microphone for me throughout these these podcasts. I'm joking. Um, So, yeah, no, it's uh, all good fun. (laughs) <laughs> well, you'll have to put the pictures on uh, social media, Terry. And then next time you do anything online, you, you have to stand in your bar and do it. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, no, good point, John. <laughs> right. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you, Terry. Thank you to everybody who has got in touch with ideas. We will be back because we've got more of these big teams, these great teams that we want to talk about. So, uh, yeah, stay nice and safe, everybody. And we will talk to you again with more podcasts soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>show you how easy it is to file a claim with geico we hired fitness celebrity billy blanks okay everybody our car just got a broken windshield how about we blow off some steam now punch now kick uh mr blanks there's no need to be stressed geico makes it easy to file a claim online on the app or over the phone yeah but what if i never hear back that's gonna make me want to go jab and jab uh nope your geico claims team is always there for you okay do i still get my post-workout protein shake sure billy geico great service without all the drama